question for you. Okay. What kind of dog loves to take baths? Well, actually, Mindy... Okay. Guy Ross, it's a joke. Oh. What kind of dog loves to take a bath? Uh... A shampoodle! Oh. Huh? Oh. Okay. Hmm. Moving right along. Well, actually, Mindy, that brings me to a science story. Oh, I love stories. What do you have? Well, you know that old saying about humans and dogs? Oh, yeah. Never eat a dog unless it's in a bun. Uh... Maybe it was I... something like never eat a dog if it can run... Like, away from you? I well, I don't know, Guy Raz. I don't know what the saying is. Actually, the, the old saying I was thinking about, Mindy, is dogs are man's best friend. i uh, never heard that one. We call dogs our best friends because, you know, they're loyal and loving no matter what, even on a bad day. Or a bun. You know, even on a bad day, Mindy, your dog will still love you. Yeah, and it'll show you that love by slobbering all over your face But, Mindy, the reason why dogs and humans are such good pals might have something to do with evolution. Oh, evolution. So, like, the way we've changed over millions of years. Exactly. We humans have changed over time. We've we've had to learn how to cooperate with each other in order to make sure that we survive. Oh, we know all about cooperation, Guy Raz. Do you remember that one time I asked you to put your cell phone in the aquarium so that I could talk to the fish, and you didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway because you're a good friend and also because you fell into it? That was cooperation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, long, long before humans had cities or horses or supermarkets or... Or airports or taco trucks. Yeah, right, right. Long before we had all of those things, Mindy, we had to find food out in the wild. And over time, we figured out that if we were going to make it on this planet, we had to work together. So some people would look for food, other people would build places to live, other people would cook the food. Basically, we had to become friendly. So, survival of the friendliest? Exactly. Humans had to become friendly because, as any kid knows, Mindy, by being friendly, you are more likely to get what you want. Okay, I think I've got this. So, say I want you to give me 100 bucks, Uh, I might say something to you like, Guy Raz, you're looking so dashing today. I hardly even recognized it was you. Uh, yeah. No, that's not it. Anyway, Mindy, friendliness is how early humans were, in one sense, able to become the most dominant species on planet Earth. Okay, and just to be sure, when you say species, you mean groups of living creatures, right? Yeah, but not just creatures, Mindy. A species is a similar group of living things that create more of that same species. So... For example, cats are a species, so are horses and tigers, but so are plants and flowers like the water hyacinth and even things like garlic and fruit flies. And, of course, our nearest relatives, chimpanzees. Knew it! Guy Raz, I took one look at your toes last summer and knew that your great-grandma had to have been a chimpanzee. Uh, well, well we're not 
really relatives in, in that sense. We actually broke away from chimpanzees about 7 million years ago. So not not like in our family. But yes, we humans are distant relatives of chimps. We are different, of course, very different than chimps. But out of all the species on Earth, they are the closest ones to us. Wait a minute. So does this mean that chimps are also friendly in the same way that humans are? Well, it's interesting you ask, Mindy, because when it comes to friendliness, our closest animal relatives might be... Oh, oh, pick me! You want to take a guess? Is it man's best friend? That's exactly right, Mindy. Dogs. So how do we even know this? Well, Mindy, scientists at the University of Arizona recently discovered that dogs and two-year-old humans show similar patterns of something called social intelligence. Okay, so I don't want to sound socially unintelligent, Guy Raz, but what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that among all creatures, dogs seem to be able to understand what's going on around them in ways that are similar to a two-year-old kid. Wow, so how do we even know this? Well, the scientists at the University of Arizona took a group of chimps and a group of dogs. And they gave them some brain games to play. So, for example, the scientists would hide a toy in a room. And then they'd start to look in the direction of the toy or even point their fingers to the part of the room where the toys were hidden. And lo and behold, the dogs would stand up and walk to that part of the room and find the toys. But when it came to the chimps, Mindy, they, they would just sit on their bottoms and do nothing. Wow, that's crazy town. So then what did the two-year-olds do? Mindy, those little humans did exactly the same thing the dogs did. And what's more is that the scientists found that dogs and the kids were better than the chimps at making eye contact, at, at looking right into the eyes of the scientists. Such manners. So why is this a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because making eye contact is an example of that term I mentioned earlier, social, social intelligence. intelligence. And it suggests, Mindy, that dogs, like humans, probably evolved or changed over millions of years to become friendly. As you said, survival of the friendliest. That's so cool. So, Guy Raz, now that we know about dogs, what does this discovery mean for us humans? Well, Mindy, it's possible that we might be able to better understand when and how humans develop certain behaviors and why it's easier for some humans to be friendly but sometimes harder for other humans to be friendly. We know that at around nine months, human babies start to understand what's going on around them. They they start to notice how, how other people around them behave. And if we can get an even better understanding of how dogs have figured this out, it could help us crack the code about certain mysteries related to human behavior that we don't yet understand. Yeah, like why we get the hiccups, or why we can't sneeze with our eyes open, or why we see in 3D, or why we get bored, or why our feet fall asleep when we sit on the toilet for too long, or why we too, or why we daydream, or why our cheeks turn red when we're embarrassed. Gosh! And welcome back to America's favorite game show called What in the World? Let's meet our contestants. Contestant number one, tell us your name and how old you are. My name is Lorelai and I'm 10 years old. Contestant number two. I, oh, I'm Samantha. I'm 11 years old. And contestant number three. I'm Andy and I am 12 years old. 
In this round of What in the Word, I'll give you a word that you've never heard before. The challenge, if you choose to accept it, is to take a wild guess and make up your own definition with the first thought that floats to mind. And remember, this is the only game show where being wrong is right. Are you guys ready to play the game? The word is... Entomophagy. Let's hear your totally made-up definitions. Contestant number one, Lorelai. I think it means a purple Tyrannosaurus Rex. What would make this purple Tyrannosaurus Rex different from all the other purple Tyrannosaurus Rexes? This purple Tyrannosaurus Rex can play soccer. Fancy. Contestant number two, Sammy. The word is entomophagy. A study for edamame, and an entomophagist is a farmer for edamame. Contestant number three, Andy, let's hear your made-up definition. The word entomophagy comes from the study of why flamingos are pink. The explorer who puts the pink lemonade inside of the water decided to call the study of making flamingos pink entomophagy. Wow, what an incredible made-up definition. Well, contestants, I'm sorry to say that in this round of What in the Word, none of you were correct. But in this game, being wrong is right. Are you ready for the true definition of entomophagy? The word entomophagy means the practice of eating insects, especially by people. Contestants Lorelai, Sammy, and Andy for playing America's favorite game show. What in the world? Wow in the world. We'll be right back. Grown-ups, this message is for you. Support for Wow in the World and the following message for parents come from Tara's Kitchen. Exploration in the kitchen shouldn't take hours or make a huge mess. That's why Tara's Kitchen created nutritionist-designed, kid-friendly meal kits that serve a family of four. Recipe ingredients for meals like cheeseburger pizza are delivered washed, measured, and chopped so kids can help. Plus, meals are done in under 30 minutes, so you can cook while you listen to Wow in the World together. Join at taraskitchen.com and get three meals free with promo code WOW. Support also comes from Little Passports. If your child wants to race solar cars, discover DNA, or engineer an elevator, now they can learn how with a subscription to Science Expeditions from Little Passports. Receive a box in the mail every month packed with activities, experiments, and a comic book that will rock their world. Collect achievement badges every month while learning real concepts like physics and forensic science. Save 40% on Science Expeditions. Go to littlepassports.com wow. That's it. Back to the show. Wow in the world. Guy Raz, you know how people always say every time a cow toots, an angel gets some bangs? Uh, I I didn't know people say that. Sure you do. Don't you remember I told you that last week when we were lost in that cow pasture? (sighs) Hot out here. Guy Raz, did you know that a cow drinks a bathtub's worth of water every single day? My GPS said this is the place. Make a U-turn. Guy Raz, did you know that a cow can walk up the stairs, but it can't walk back down the stairs? 
Man, I'm getting tired. Turn left at the cow's butt. This is not working. Hey, Guy Ross, did you know that you can milk a cow on an airplane? <gasps> Whoa! You have arrived. Huh. And Guy Ross, did you know that every time a cow toots, an angel gets some bangs? Wait, now I recall you did say that, Mindy. But I'm not saying it anymore. Turns out it's not even true. <laughs> well, where's all this going? Guy Raz, the thing about cows is that every time they toot, the earth freaks out a little. And by that, I'm assuming you mean the amount of methane they produce from those toots and burps has a negative impact on the Earth due to the level of greenhouse gas emissions, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. Uh... So get this. There are one and a half billion cows roaming around our planet, taking up a lot of land, and every time one of them burps or toots, methane gas flies out of their butts! Well... And when you're dealing with something like almost 50 gallons of methane gas per cow per day... That's a lot of toots and burps. I'll say, especially because from what I understand, the average cow only produces five to seven gallons of milk every day. Yep. And to prove it, I've been collecting cow toots in milk jugs for the last 12 months. You've been hoarding methane gas from livestock in gallon milk jugs? Boys, bring in the toots. Whoa. Okay, oh, 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 man. Guy what you're looking at here is 50 gallons of grade A cow toots, all produced exclusively by my cow pal Yarl over here. Oh, oh man. He's a prize-winning tutor, aren't you, Yarl? So, Mindy, may- maybe we should explain how a, a-, a cow t- Say toots. What? Say toots, Guy Raz. Come on, you can do it. Nice. Saved by the cowbell. So what were you trying to ask me again? Well, I I was attempting to ask you to explain how this methane gas harms planet Earth. Oh, yeah. So here's the deal. Cow toots and burps release what are known as greenhouse gases. And greenhouse gases trap heat in our atmosphere. And by atmosphere, you're talking about the invisible layers of gases that surround our planet. Exactly. And when that heat is trapped in the atmosphere, it makes the planet warmer, which, as you know, is not good. Yeah, because when the planet gets warmer, it causes changes to the weather and the seasons. It it heats up the oceans. It can cause ice and snow at the top and bottom of the planet to melt. And it could change the way we humans and, and other animals live our lives in the future. Yeah, and there are lots of other ways that greenhouse gases are being put into our atmosphere. Like every time we burn coal to power our electricity. Or when we drive our cars and trucks on the roads and... Even how we get rid of our trash by burning it? These are just a few of the ways that we're junking up the atmosphere. Besides cows tooting up the earth. So what are some of the things that that we humans can do to help out? Well, there are lots of little ways that we can help, and some of those start in our very own homes. Oh, you mean like turning off electronic devices when we're not using them? Yeah. Or using things like energy-saving light bulbs? Yeah, or reusing stuff, or chilling out on the heat and air conditioning, or even planting a garden of native plants. But... Oh, we're back to butts. Guy Raz, scientists may have just discovered a new way to help save the planet. Really? And all we have to do is eat bugs. Eat what? Oh, come on. Like, you've never eaten a maggot before? Mindy, no. I mean, there's a lot I would do for science, but 
eat bugs? Guy Raz, just hear me out on this. Uh... So one of the reasons there are so many cows tooting up the atmosphere is because we humans depend on them so much for food and for milk. Yeah, hamburgers and steak and even milk have a lot of the protein we need in our diets, which I guess is why we eat and drink so much of it. Yeah, well, so these researchers at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland's Rural College wanted to see what would happen if we were to replace half of the beef that we eat with insects. So, like crickets? Yeah, crickets, mealworms, or even Frankenstein meat, really. You mean meat that's produced in a laboratory? Yeah, fake meat. So, imitation meat made with soybeans or tofu, like tofu hot dogs or soy chorizo. Sure, whatever you want to call it. The point is, researchers discovered that insects and imitation meat are actually the best kinds of meat when it comes to how it affects our planet. So, are you saying that if we truly care about the Earth, We should just give up our bacon-wrapped cheeseburgers for a steady diet of grasshoppers and grub worms? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that it's not the craziest idea to start thinking of insects as a regular part of our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Are you making this up, Mindy? Not this time, Guy Raz. These researchers realized that if we all pitched in to make little changes in the way we eat, doing things like eating insects for protein or choosing chicken or fish or plant-based foods over beef, or even just easing up on the amount of food we waste? We could help the Earth and save it from the hordes of greenhouse gas-emitting cows. Now fork over that bag of cheesy cockroach doodles, Guy Raz. It's time to rescue this planet. Now that is something to toot about. You said it! Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wow in the World this week. And parents, if you want to continue the conversation with your kids, we've posted some questions about this episode at our website, wowintheworld.com. And while you're there, you can find links to some of the sources we use to tell our stories this week. Also, we love hearing from you. You can write us at hello at wowintheworld.com. Our show is produced by Jed Anderson. Say hello, Jed. Hello. Our theme song, Wow in the World, was written and performed by The Pop-Ups. Check them out at thepopups.com. And big high fives to the kids you heard in today's episode. Lorelai, Samantha, and Andy, you guys are stars. Also, we love hearing what's been wowing you. For a chance to be featured on an upcoming Thursday episode, have your grown-ups help you share something that's recently wowed your world by dialing one 888 7 Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends about our show. We'll be back in just three sleeps for a brand new Thursday edition. In the meantime, go forth and find your own Wow in the World. Wow in the World was made by Tinkercast and sent to you by NPR. Hey y'all, Sam Sanders here. These days I feel like I can't make sense of the news until I've talked it out with my friends. So I made a new show where we do that every week. It's called It's Been a Minute. That's my way of saying let's catch up. Find It's Been a Minute now on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. Thanks.